1: From Hollywood, it's time now for...
2: Johnny Dollar.
3: Mr. John Dollar? Yes? Western Union, I have a message for you from New York. Oh? Please proceed Northern Hotel, Clinton, Colorado, as soon as possible. Yeah? Building irregularities suspected affecting several insurance companies will advise, regards, signed Albert Davies, Chief Investigator, United Adjustment Bureau, New York, New York. Uh Uh-huh.
2: Would you like that mail to you, Mr. Dollar? Uh, no, no, don't bother. Can you take an answer? Go ahead. To Albert Davies, Chief Investigator, United Adjustment Bureau. You have the address. Confirming exact time of arrival to follow. Sign that, Johnny Dollar.
1: Tonight and every weekday night. Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly,
2: Johnny Dollar. <laughs> expense accounts submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the United Adjustment Bureau, New York City, New York. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Clinton matter, or maybe racket is a better word. Expense account first item, $105.63, transportation by air Hartford to Denver. Item 2, 28.50, Denver to Grand Junction, a place busy and bustling with uranium hopefuls. Third expenditure $100 deposit and rental on a car which I used to drive the 105 miles through the rugged mountains due north of Grand Junction to Clinton, Colorado, a place that the rental agents had described as a sleepy little mountain town. When I got there, everybody was running in the direction of what was very shortly not going to be the new school building. Like everybody else in Clinton, Colorado, I spent the next three hours or so helping to try and get the fire under control. Then finally, I left the scene and located the Northern Hotel, where the clerk was standing by waiting for me.
1: Mr. Dollar? Uh, yeah. Operator 18 New York City has been calling you for the last four hours. Uh, Mr. Davies, I believe. Oh,
2: yeah. Could you put the call in for me? Certainly. I'd be glad to. I'll take it up to my room. I want to change my clothes.
1: Certainly. Boy, take Mr. Dollar's bags
2: up to 310. I shaved and showered, changed clothes, and unpacked. From my window, I could see the still glowing embers of the fire, red against the winter night. The school building was completely destroyed. Beyond, the snow-covered Rockies rose all about the town of Clinton, which I had yet to see. Johnny Dollar.
1: I uh, have your call now,
2: Mr. Dollar. Oh, good, thanks. Johnny? Hi, Al. Say, I've been trying to get to you all day. I thought you were going to let me know the minute you got into town. Well, there was a fire here, Al. I had to pitch in and help along with everybody else.
1: Oh, I see. Well, has Osborne contacted you yet about this case?
2: Osborne? Who's that?
1: Julian Osborne. Look, I talked to him in Clinton last night. He said he'd wait around the hotel until you showed up. He lives there, Johnny. He drove into Denver two days ago and told the insurance broker he thought a building that Great Eastern Fidelity covered was in real bad shape. Now, what building? Well, a new school that they just put up there, Johnny.
2: Al, it was in bad shape. Worse shape now. It fell down about four hours ago. That was the fire, Al.
1: Oh. Well, Great Eastern's in for $200,000. Look, Johnny, contact Julian Osborne and see what he has to say. Right. And call me back when you find out what's what. So long. Yes, Mr. Dollar, may I help you?
2: Yeah. Do you have a city directory here in Clinton?
1: We aren't that small. Here it is. Right here. Good. After all, we have 14,263 people.
2: Okay,
4: thanks. I know most of them, Mr. Dollar. Who do you want to get in touch with?
2: A man named Julian Osborne.
4: Uh, Julian Osborne?
2: Yeah. Know
4: him? I didn't know him,
1: but it came over the radio a little while ago. They found his body in the fire. He burned to death.
2: A four-block walk down the icy streets of the town took me to the sheriff's office, and face-to-face with a heavy-set, owlish-looking man named Doherty. Sheriff Paul Doherty. He smiled professionally until I got around to inquiring about Julian Osborne. Oh. Well, uh, you his family? No, no. I, I made the trip here to Clinton to see him especially, though. I just heard he was killed in the fire.
1: Yes. Yes, too bad about Mr. Osborne.
2: I don't quite understand about it, though.
1: He was school janitor. Oh. What. Uh, what
2: was your business with him, Mr. Dollar? Insurance investigation. Oh. Yeah, Osmond reported the possibility of something wrong with the new school. He. He did. Uh, to who? To our brokers in Denver. That's why they sent me out here. Well, <laughs> your trip was for nothing then. Maybe. Well, you think if he had anything
1: like that on his mind, he'd have come to me, wouldn't you? Yes. Did he? No. No, used to pass him on the street. Never said a word. Uh huh. Where's the body? Morgue? I, uh I wouldn't go over there, son.
2: I want to contact some of his family's his friends.
1: Well, that might be hard to do. No family here, no close friends. Used to prospect for a living until he got kind of old. Then he took the job janitoring. Lived right there in the basement of the school. Uh, city'll bury him. I see.
2: How long had he worked at the school?
1: Six months since the place was built. Mm -hmm. Who hired
2: him? Principal,
1: Flory Hawkins.
2: Flory Hawkins. Where can I find her?
1: Lives on Pearson Street. That's one block over and two blocks to your left. Number uh, 326. 326 Pearson, huh? That's right. And son. Mm
2: -hmm. Bad night to go calling on her. (laughs) I'd like to see Mrs. Hawkins, please.
3: I'm Miss Hawkins.
2: Well, I'm an insurance investigator. My name's Johnny Dollar. Insurance? Yes.
3: Why do you want to talk to me?
2: Well, I'll be frank with you, Miss Hawkins. I came to Clinton to talk to Julian Osborne. Oh. You heard he died in the fire.
3: Yes, I heard. It's tragic. I'm so thankful school wasn't in session today. Uh, come in. Thank you.
2: I know this has been a pretty grueling day for you, for everyone in this town, Miss Hawkins, losing your school and all. I wouldn't call on you, except I feel it's important.
3: I... Excuse me, please. Sure. Hello? Who? Yes, Sheriff. Yes, he is right now. Yes. Good night. Good night.
2: There's just a couple of questions I'd like you to answer about Julian Osborne so I'm I can get... I'm afraid
3: I can't help you with anything, Mr. Dollar. What? You'll have to go now. Well, look,
2: now, wait a minute. If, if you Please. don't eat.
3: I don't want to be impolite, but I'm tired. Very tired.
2: Yeah, sure. That phone call wore you out.
3: Please. All right, all right, I'll go, Miss
2: Hawkins. But I think you should know why I came here.
3: I can assure you, Mr. Dollar, whatever the reason, I'm simply not interested. I
2: was sent here because Julian Osborne advised the insurance company that he suspected certain building irregularities had gone into the new school. Miss Hawkins, did Mr. Osborne ever mention anything like this to you?
3: No. Now, will you Do you have an idea
2: to whom he might have confided such information here in Clinton?
3: No. i rather think he was imagining things.
2: You noticed nothing irregular yourself?
3: No, of course not.
2: Mm-hmm. Would that call you just had from Sheriff Doherty cause you not to notice anything? Is
3: that all? I'm dreadfully tired.
2: Thanks for your time. Oh, Miss Hawkins. Yes? If Sheriff Doherty calls again, tell him I'm at the Northern Hotel. Northern Hotel.
3: Good night, Mr. Dollar.
2: Expense account item four, $10.80. One long distance call to New York. I got Al Davies out of bed and told him the fate of Julian Osborne. Davies requested me to stay on in Clinton to see the matter through. About 11 o'clock that night, I walked over to the site where the new school had once stood. A few firemen and policemen were still around, searching the ashes by the light of lanterns and spotlights. One of them told me the cause of the fire had not yet been determined. I started back to my hotel. Turning a corner by an alley, two men in dark clothes were holding a third man in a sheepskin. A fourth man was giving him the works.
1: Hey! Just a minute here. Come on,
2: let's
1: get out of here,
5: boy.
2: You're easy now, easy now. You need some help, Mister.
1: Everybody needs help. But let me tell you who I am before you help me. Maybe you won't want to. Easy, just take it easy now. I'm. David Baines. You're from out of town, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> I thought so. I architected that school that isn't anymore. Well, don't you understand, Samaritan? Don't you see? That group of citizens who were working me over just now have kids. The kids could have been in there when the fire broke out. Reason, I, I'm afraid... I'm afraid they feel I don't design especially good buildings.
2: I took David Baines over to my hotel room, still half unconscious from the beating. I sent the bellboy out for bandages, iodine, and something to take off the chill. While I was patching him up, I was thinking how he'd stood there and taken that beating. Stood there in sight of half a dozen policemen and firemen and let them do that to him. try a little more. Thanks. Uh, who are you? Johnny Dollar, insurance investigator. I came here about the school.
1: I see. Do <laughs> you want to beat me up, too? The company you're working for will be liable.
2: Want some more of this? Uh,
1: what would you say your name is?
2: Dollar, Johnny Dollar.
1: Mr. Dollar, I'm in a curious position. I designed the school. I planned every feature of it but I had nothing to do with the building. You don't believe me? I wish you'd
2: explain that.
1: A week before they broke ground, a very important thing happened to me, Mr. Dollar. I went to Europe. I couldn't pass it up. It was a chance to study for another year under some men I'd admired all my life. (laughs) Consider it a scholarship, Mr. Baines. That's what he said. Who said? The man who paid my way to Europe. His name was Roy Vickery. So I went to Europe, and I studied. I came back, and my building was all built... Now it's burnt down. I'm a local boy who's made bad. Very bad. Who's Roy Vickery? The contractor who built it.
2: Oh, I better talk to him.
1: Yes, talk to him by all means. You represent a rich and powerful company, Mr. Dollar. But in Clinton, you're wasting your time. You'll learn no facts, no information, nothing helpful from anyone here, particularly Roy Vickery. You're in a tight, hot, mean little burg, Mr. Dollar.
2: All right, let's have it. Was that building fired on purpose?
1: I just told you. You won't find out anything in this town. Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode
2: of this week's story. Tomorrow? Well, there's a lot of information to be had in a town that won't talk, and there are times when the silence screams all over the place. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise.
3: What a wonderful day!
2: Hi. How's it going this morning? I'm staying off the streets. I don't want to be beat up again. I'd advise you to do the same. I can't very well do that. The city of Clinton has filed claim for their school building. I have to make an investigation. You're bucking a rough crowd, Mr. Dollar. Where do you meet them all? I intend to. I admire you, but I think you're foolish. Good luck. Just a minute. What? Not only did a school building burn down yesterday, but a man died in that fire. If there was something wrong with it, I want to get to the bottom of it. I expect help from you, too.
0: I'll
1: stay here until I hear from you. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to United Adjustment Bureau 418 West 61st Street, New York City. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Clinton matter. That's Clinton, Colorado. Expense account item 5, 80 cents, telegram to Dodd and Company, Denver insurance brokers, who would handle the policies covering the new school building in Clinton. I requested them to forward copies of the policies. Item 6, 10 cents, one copy of the Clinton Times and the full story on the fire. It was believed by Fire Chief Hanley that the fire had started because of overheated boilers in the heating system. Dollar, is it? Yeah, that's right. I'm an insurance investigator.
1: Yep. Well, what can I do for you?
2: Tell me about the fire yesterday. You sound like you're carrying a chip on your shoulder, Mr. Dollar. We had word that building irregularities were suspected in that school, Chief. The word came from the janitor, Julian Osborne. He burned to death in that fire yesterday, and the building's gone now.
1: You get as head up as you want a boy. I got my own troubles. I'll tell you what we think, and you can take it, whether you like it or not. We think old Julian Osborne might have passed out, got drunk, or had a heart attack in that building. We think something like that happened, and the boilers kept right on going and built up the pressure. We think the boilers exploded, the fire started, and that was that. And why do you think the whole
2: place went down? Because it spread so fast. Why did it spread? I didn't
1: build the building. I just took care of the fire.
2: You're going to have to change your attitude around here if you want anybody to cooperate, will you? All right, then tell me this. Why, on a day when school wasn't in session, would those boilers be fired up at all? I don't know. Chief... Last night, I talked to Sheriff Doherty... trying to get information about Julian Osborne. He didn't know anything either. I also talked to Florey Hawkins, the school principal. She didn't know. Now you don't know anything. Who does? I've done my job, boy. I've determined cause. You've also given me a chance to look at you... which was about the only reason I came here. I'll get information elsewhere, Chief. There's some people in this town who want to talk and tell me things. You and your sheriff and whoever else is involved... can't keep every mouth in this town shut... And I'll tell you like I told Miss Hawkins. I'm at the Northern Hotel, in case you remember anything. I can't hear you, boy. Not one word. Expense account item 7, $1.80. Breakfast in the coffee shop of my hotel for myself and David Baines, who still look badly battered from the beating he'd taken the night before.
1: You're taking a chance sitting here with me. Hope you realize that. Am I? I'm public enemy number one in this town.
2: I'm the man who built the school that didn't stay up. Look, Baines, I want you to tell me all about it. If you have any information or knowledge that would be helpful in this investigation, then you'd better give out with it right now.
1: What specifically do you want to know?
2: First, the town.
1: Do you know what this place is? It's a backyard, and only the rich kids can play here. Vickery, Hanley, Doherty, those are the rich kids, Mr. Dollar. The rest of us are, well... We live across the tracks.
2: Let's start with Vickery.
1: He's a builder. Not only here, all over these mountains. Grand Junction, Rifle, Mesa, all over. He's got a million dollars and a million angles. He's the one who sent me to Europe to study for a year after I completed my plans for the new building. Got me out of the way. Okay.
2: Fire Chief Hanley.
1: A friend of Vickery's. And any friend of Vickery's is going to get rich, one way or another.
2: Sheriff Doherty. He keeps the
1: law orderly for Vickery. Very necessary. Very
2: necessary. Okay, then. The fire itself. Chief Hanley says the school boilers blew up and caused the fire.
1: There was no reason for those boilers to be fired up. No reason. If they were fired, they were fired to blow up. They had automatic shut-off equipment. What about
2: Julian Osborne?
1: You say he notified the broker in Denver that something was wrong with the building, and that's how you got here. I don't know. They might have fired it for money, too. I told you I was in Europe until they constructed it. I got back in Clinton four days ago. I went over to see my building... They used my outside drawing, Dollar. Wooden beams where I indicated steel girders. Only half the plumbing and heating system, other things. It looked like they'd made it up as they went along. Did
2: you talk to anybody about it?
1: Oh, sure. The contractor. Vickery. Vickery. He told me to keep my mouth shut and be a good boy.
2: Do you think he got you out of town during the construction so you wouldn't interfere?
1: I think so. I'm not important, but it was the easiest way. I understand Mr. Vickery's a little unpopular today. What? A delegation went out to his house to hang him or something.
2: Baines was partially right. A delegation had gone out to see Roy Vickery and his polished fine domain at the end of town. They were still there when I drove up in my rented car. 20 or 30 irate citizens demanding an explanation for the lost school. Ten uniformed men from Sheriff Doherty's office formed a half-moon circle in front of the main entrance, their holsters unbuckled. The sheriff himself was directing the operation. All right, just a minute there. Hello, Sheriff. Johnny
1: Dollar, I talked to you last night. Oh, yeah. Chief Hanley called me about
2: you. The chief called you, and last night you called Flory Hawkins. That was nice. Keep the wires burning. Chief said you came over to see him. Used abusive language. Tried to cause trouble. The chief was mistaken. I wasn't trying to cause trouble, Sheriff. There's enough of that in this town. I was just trying to find out how the fire started yesterday. The chief told you how it started. I didn't believe him. Now, what do you think of that?
1: You'd better watch your step around here, Mr. Dollar. You seem to be looking for arguments all the time. Not at all, Sheriff. I'm misunderstood.
2: We understand you all right. How's Mr. Vickery? He's all right, and he's going to stay all right. I'm sure he will. But these people don't like their school burning down. It's expensive. Also, their kids could have been in it. I want to see Mr. Vickery about that.
1: He isn't seeing anyone, Mr. Dollar. And we aren't letting anybody in to see him. Really?
2: Did any of you people hear that? Now, look here. Hey, listen, folks, listen to me, will you? Look. Now, listen, I'm an insurance investigator. I'm worried about what happened to your school yesterday. Keep quiet. They tell me Mr. Vickery built that school. The architect who designed it said it wasn't built to his specifications. Now, I want to go in and ask Mr. Vickery about that. The sheriff here doesn't want me to do that. I'll get you for this dollar. Wait a minute. The sheriff just said I'll get you for
4: this. (laughs) All right, hold it.
2: Hold it, please, please. Now, listen to me, listen. I'll put it to the sheriff again so you can all hear. Sheriff, I want to go in and see Mr. Vickery on business. Well? Go ahead. Thank you. (laughs) Direction from Sheriff Doherty, the wedge of deputies opened up long enough for me to walk through the wrought iron gate and up the steps to the Vickery mansion. A tall man in a white jacket answered the door and ushered me into a den that was stocked with good liquor and big leather chairs. Finally, a big man in a blue suit walked in. He had lots of good teeth and there wasn't an ounce of fat on his 230 pounds.
4: I'm Roy Vickery. It was quite an act with Sheriff Doherty just now. I watched you from upstairs. That's a
2: good, safe place to watch from, Mr. Vickery.
4: Now that you're in, what can I do for you?
2: Tell me everything you can about that school building.
4: Mm-hmm. Has the uh, the city of Clinton made a claim yet? Yes,
2: two hundred thousand dollars, building and contents.
4: You got in town pretty fast. We heard
2: there might be something wrong with that building before the fire. Apparently,
4: there was. Now, who told you a thing like that? Julian Osborne. He's dead now, you know. Oh. Well, two boilers explode and there's something wrong with the building. Is that the way you people figure? Yeah. Well, so do we, and we couldn't find anything wrong. Who's we? Officially, we're the civic construction department. We just had a meeting. We thought we ought to.
2: Yeah, yeah. I figure those people hanging around outside should be worrying. Well,
4: they don't worry me, and you don't worry me. A drunken janitor goes to sleep and lets the boilers kick up, and the joint blows apart and burns down. That's what we decided in the meeting. It was a, a terrible accident. We'll have to use an old garage or something for a school, but, but then we'll get around to building another school with the insurance money we have coming. And that's that? That's that. Mr. Vickery, I'd like a copy of the specifications that went into that building. Sure, anything at all. Uh, there you are. Okay? That'll do for now. Good. Now, you can get out of my house, Dollar. You smell smoke. There were 50
2: pages of specifications on the building materials used in the construction of that school. They looked all right. They also looked as though they could have been forgeries. Expense account item eight, six dollars, one bottle of whiskey for David Baines and myself in my hotel room. Baines went over the specifications page by page. Uh, Okay, what do you think? These are my specifications, more or less. This is what's on paper that went into the building. How about what actually went into it?
1: Well, the little I saw, they cut corners everywhere. The outside was just a shell
2: of this stuff. You sure? These are my notes. I can remember this much. Can you remember it in front of a notary? I want a sworn statement. I don't know. You
1: what? Don't look at me that way. You're gonna get my statement and possibly a half a dozen other statements. On paper, you'd have a case. Then what would you do? Go to the district attorney? We haven't got a district attorney. We got a county attorney who's elected for a
2: four-year term. All right, I'll go to him. Vickery? Then I'll go to somebody else, the insurance commission.
1: You try to go any farther, they'll kill you, Dollar. Well,
2: let me worry about that. Now, will you make a statement?
1: Sorry. That'd kill me, too.
2: And that's the way matters stood in Clinton, Colorado, 24 hours after their new school building had burned down and a man had died in the flames. Everyone seemed to know it was all wrong, but no one was willing to do anything about it.
4: Johnny Dollar. Hello, Dollar. Roy Vickery. Wow. You go over those specifications?
2: Yes, I did. Very thoroughly. Well? I think they're fakes, Mr. Vickery.
4: I didn't ask you your opinion, Dollar.
2: But you've got it.
4: Well, I'm sure you're entitled to it. Uh, When when are you leaving town? Not for a while. I was kind of hoping you'd be leaving like in about an hour. You'd make good connections then.
2: Sorry. I haven't really gotten around as much as I want to yet.
4: You saw me. I can tell you anything.
2: Oh, I'll get around to you
4: again. Get out of town, Dollar. Now.
2: Vickery, there are times when I don't hear good. (laughs)
1: Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode
2: of this week's story. Tomorrow, a lady who promised to love, honor, and obey a building inspector, but wound up a widow. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Hollywood,
1: it's time now for... Johnny Dollar.
3: This is Flory Hawkins, Mr. Dollar.
2: Oh, yes. You were the principal of the school.
3: I'd like to talk to you, if I could. All right. Would you care to meet me for a cocktail? There's a place called the Trader's Inn not far out of town. I could be there in an hour. All
2: right. Miss Hawkins.
3: Yes, Mr. Dollar?
2: What changed your mind about talking to me?
3: Well, I've... I've heard how you've gone about this. I mean, you forced Sheriff Doherty to let you in to see Roy Vickery. You defied Chief Hanley, and... Well, you don't seem frightened of any of them. Also, I... I suppose I'm a little sick of everything I've seen around here. Okay. I'll see you in an hour. I'll
2: be there.
1: Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the United Adjustment Bureau, 418 West 61st Street, New York City. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the racket in Clinton, Colorado. Expense account item nine, ten bucks, one dinner and four drinks for myself at the Trader's Inn, five miles outside of Clinton, where I waited for Florey Hawkins to appear. Sorry, I'm late. Oh, well, that's all right, Miss Hawkins. Uh, sit down, please. Would you, uh, would you like something to eat? A drink, maybe?
3: No, thank you. I, uh... I'm...
2: What's the matter? What is it?
3: Oh, I can't help looking around. I hope no one sees us together. I mean, that would be difficult to explain.
2: To explain to whom?
3: Your friend, Sheriff Doherty, for one. Oh. Last night, when you came to inquire about Julian Osborne... Sheriff Doherty called and told me to get rid of you and not answer any questions.
2: Yeah, I guessed that. Did he tell you what would have happened if I had stayed and you had answered some questions?
3: No. I can imagine it would have been something that would have barred me from teaching for the rest of my life. <sighs> that sounds incredible.
2: No, not too. I've been looking at your little town, Miss Hawkins... A school building can be made of paper, go up in smoke... a man can be killed, and none of the responsible people... the man who built the building, the fire chief, the sheriff... seemed to care too much.
3: You asked me about Julian Osborne. I knew he wrote your insurance company... or called them and told them the school building wasn't right. He told me he was going to do it. I see. I knew it wasn't right, too. Everyone who worked in there, who worked on the building... knew it wasn't up to specifications. Then
2: I'll contact some of those
3: people. Well, that may be difficult... Julian Osborne spoke up and he burned to death.
2: Yeah, but that doesn't mean you can't speak now or any of the others.
3: I'm willing to speak about that building now. Now I'm willing to help you. I I don't know about the others. Will Mr. Baines help you?
2: Well, he's frightened of going up against Vickery and the others. But I think I can talk him into it.
3: That would be two of us.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Two people speaking out. And then there'd be others... Once it gets rolling, it won't stop. Unless I've missed my guess about the townspeople of Clinton.
3: You seem to know a lot about people, Mr. Dollar. How to say what will stimulate them at the right time or make them speak out. I have to confess, you did that to me. You looked hurt and bewildered last night when I insisted you leave me alone. I realize, you know, very deeply, I realize there could have been 1,400 pupils in that school when the fire broke out. I didn't sleep last night thinking of it.
2: Yeah, I guess that was the only good feature of it. No children died. But as you say, Miss Hawkins, it could have happened the other way. Now, look, besides yourself and possibly Mr. Baines, can you think of anyone else who might be able to supply information about the construction of the school?
3: I don't know. Let me think.
2: Somebody who'd who'd have evidence in hand, possibly.
3: Wait. Yes, I can think of someone. Who? Who? The building inspector, the one who approved the building.
2: Oh, well, that doesn't seem likely. If he passed that building, he must have been in with him. What's
3: his name? His name is Richard Hobb. Oh, I've known him for years. Oh, he is in with him in a way, but I know he'd get out of it if he could. He, he was a very decent man when I knew him well. I think he's still decent.
2: Richard Hobb. All right, who else?
3: That's all I can think of. Well, that's a start. Well, what will you do?
2: I'll ask you to take a plane to Denver, register at the Cosmopolitan Hotel, and wait until you hear from me. What? I want a statement from you before you go, but I want you to be safe. I'll get around to Hobbin Baines. All I want are sworn statements to the effect that Vickery built a bad school, that he violated insurance specifications. That'll start it, rolling.
3: Oh, when do you want the statement?
2: Tonight, right here. All
3: right, Let's get busy.
2: It took an hour to get the statement. After that, I drove her to Grand Junction to catch a plane. Expense account item 10, dollar and a half, telegram, to a friend of mine in the private detective business in Denver. I asked him to meet Florey Hawkins' plane, see that she was safe and comfortable, and keep an eye on her during her stay in Denver. Then I drove back to Clinton. Item 11, 10 cents, another phone call. This one to David Baines. Yeah, Dollar? Baines, Flory Hawkins made a statement about the school building and the fire. She's tired of being scared and shoved around. Now, how about you?
1: You want a statement from me?
2: Yes, comparing your specifications with what you saw that actually went into the building. Will you make it out and take it before a notary?
1: All right. If she can, I can. Then what?
2: Then go down to Denver and wait till you hear from me.
1: I'll make the statement, but I
2: won't leave town. You'll help me a lot if you do. Sorry. You'll be in danger here.
1: I feel brave. If you're going to play it so broad, I'll do it too.
2: I took his statement directly to the post office and mailed it to myself at the Northern Hotel. Expense account item 12, 40 cents, phone calls. I telephoned Sheriff Doherty, Fire Chief Hanley, and County Attorney Contractor Roy Vickery and told them that I had a sworn statement regarding building irregularities. Sheriff Doherty snorted and hung up. Chief Hanley yawned and told me not to bother him. And Roy Vickery just laughed. About 8 o'clock that night, I was at the home of Building Inspector Richard Hobb, a nice home in a nice part of town. The woman standing in the doorway was tall and blonde, holding a drink and smoking a cigarette. Yes? I'd like to see Mr. Richard Hobb. I'm Johnny Dollar.
0: I'm Lucille Hobb. He isn't home right now. But you can come in and wait for him and talk to me. I'm not bad company. Would a drink help? Help what? Whatever's wrong with you. You look tired, Mr. Dollar.
2: It might, but uh, I'd rather not. I just came by to talk to your husband.
0: You said that. What do you want to talk to him about? Business. This time of night? Let's stop talking about him. What do you say?
2: Uh, look, uh, you uh, you probably missed your dinner tonight, and you've been getting all of your nourishment out of a bottle, so I'll come back You <laughs> You're
0: afraid and... Dick will walk in. No,
2: no. I'm not afraid of that, Mrs. Hobb. He's already walked out, and you're feeling sorry for yourself. What? Well, a man, if he lives in a place, has an ashtray or a picture or yesterday's sports section lying around the front room, I don't see anything like that in this room. If I walked over to that closet ten to one, I wouldn't find any of his clothes. And if I tried the drawers, I'll lay odds, there wouldn't be a shirt around either. When did he leave?
0: You're crazy. When
2: did he leave? Yesterday. After the fire?
0: During the fire. Where did he go? I don't know.
2: Did he go alone?
0: I don't know. Did
2: Vickery tell him to get out of town? No. I'll ask that again. Did Vickery tell your husband to get out of town?
0: I don't know.
2: You said no the first time I asked. Vickery, apparently, your husbands?
0: They know each other, naturally.
2: Look, Mrs. Hobb, I don't know how much you've had to drink, but if I'm reading your eyes right, you're scared. You're scared about what's happened here and what could happen here. And you know your husband's involved. Mrs. Hobb, I want your husband to help me. If he helps me, I can help this town get rid of people like Vickery and Doherty and Hanley. If you see him, if he contacts you, tell him that. Tell him I won't let anything happen to him. Tell him I have statements from two people already, and they're being protected. I'll protect your husband. You got all that?
0: I don't know what you're talking about.
2: (sighs) Good night, Mrs. Hobb. I left her standing in the middle of the living room, drinking hand, staring vacantly at I don't know what. Outside in the crisp mountain air, I took stock of the situation. Richard Hobb, building inspector who had passed the school building, would be the most important witness I could find to make a statement. The others, from Flory Hawkins and David Baines, would help. But Hobb's information would be essential to an investigation. I was just coming into my rented car when a sleek dark limousine pulled up and Roy Vickery leaned out the window.
4: Come here. Why not? Pretty cold weather to be out so late at night. Yeah, but then I've got a lot to do. Uh, you've been in to see uh, Mr. Hobb? Yeah. Uh, how's Richard these days? I wouldn't know.
2: I only spoke to Mrs. Hobb. I see. Lovely girl in Jean. Well, she's a little sad right now. Her husband's missing. He left town during the fire yesterday. Do tell. Yeah, I have a feeling he might have been ordered out of town. Sooner or later, people would be asking the building inspector embarrassing questions
4: about their school. Uh-huh. Were uh, you going to ask him some, some embarrassing questions, that is?
2: Yeah, yeah, sure I was. I was going to ask him why he passed it. I was going to ask him how much he was paid to pass it. I was going to ask who paid him to pass it. And then I was going to ask him to make a statement.
4: I I figured you might have had something like that in mind. Well, it's been nice talking to
2: you, Mr. Vickery. I hope I see you real soon in jail. A Dollar. What?
4: I know you're trying to earn your money and you're working very hard. But I'd stop it if I were you. I, I admire a man like you, someone who calls a... A spade, a spade. Or a liar, a liar. Or a liar, a liar. But Dollar, it, it just won't do you any good here in Clinton.
2: You Tell you what, you worry about your problems and I'll worry about mine. Have it your way.
0: Ready with your call to New York, Mr. Dollar? Right. Go ahead, please.
2: Hi, Johnny. Hello, Al. Hey, look, Al, it's a mess here. I've made a little headway. I mean, I'll have a couple of statements coming in, but no concrete evidence yet. Well, what do you think? The school building was a fix or something or other. Money somewhere. I haven't been able to find out. The town's sewed up tight, civically and politically. I can't expect any help from the law or the fire department here. They're in it too. Oh, well, that kind of thing, huh? I'm afraid so. I need help.
1: We'll be there in 24 hours. If they want to play it that way, we'll play it that way. <laughs>
2: Twenty minutes after I hung up the phone and was in bed, I found out how much of a mess it really was. That's when my hotel door opened and a man lurched across the room toward me. Dollar, I've got to tell you. I wanted to get to you yesterday. He stood in front of me, swaying back and forth, his hands clutching the front of his coat. He fell before I could get to him. Three bullet holes formed a neat trio across where his tie pin should have been. I ran my fingers through his coat, pulled out his wallet. The license read, Richard Hobb, age 39, occupation, building inspector. Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, the town of Clinton begins to fall apart... And it takes a lot of work to pick up the pieces. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
6: Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time tested gift around a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site wide during their Mother's Day sale. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.
1: From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Al Davis, Johnny. We're on our way. What? Yeah, we're in Grand Junction now. We ought to be in Clinton in three hours, running a couple of cars. I brought help.
2: I can use it, Al. There's been a murder here. What? Last night, a building inspector named Richard Hobbs staggered into my room, tried to tell me something, but died before he could get it out. He'd been shot three times. Now, look,
1: you be careful. Don't do anything until we get there. That's an order. Yes, sir. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the United Adjustment Bureau, 418, West 61st Street, New York City. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Clinton matter. Expense account item 13, 60 cents breakfast. I had it sent up to my room. Right behind the bellhop appeared the tall figure of Sheriff Doherty.
1: How about inviting me for a cup of coffee?
2: Sure. Sit down. Help yourself, Sheriff.
1: Thank you. You know, you're a mighty lucky man. In what way? I was almost holding you for murder, boy. That hobfella.
2: Oh, that, yeah. You're looking into it, I suppose.
1: Yep, yep, we're looking into it.
2: I hesitate to ask, but are you getting anywhere?
1: Uh, We figure he was shot sometime last night. Found his car downstairs all smeared up. Might have driven in from someplace. Where? We don't know.
2: Well, do you know
1: he blew town when the
2: school fire broke out?
1: We talked to Mrs. Hobb. I talked to her myself. Yeah. Naturally, we want to find out everything we can about this matter. Now, Hobb came up here last night and died in this room of
2: gunshots. Why do you suppose he came here? I never knew the man, Sheriff. I talked to someone who did know him once. She said he'd been a pretty decent man at one time. If you and Chief Hanley and Vickery didn't tell him to leave town when that fire broke out, he might have told me himself. His conscience might have hurt him about passing a building that never could have stood an inspection. Go on. He might have heard that I was in town investigating it. He might have gotten sick and tired of the cheap, rotten little schemes here in Clinton and come back to help me straighten it out. You don't think much of our town, do you? Not the way it is, Sheriff. And I don't think much of you.
1: In that case, I'll just try to keep out of your way. Do that. You do the same, Dollar. Here.
2: Two hours later, Al Davies and a contingent of special operatives arrived in Clinton. Toby O'Brien from Continental States Insurance. Rob Schwartz and the Minx twins from Columbia Adjustment giving us a friendly hand. Todd Weaver, who just finished a case with the Canadian Adjusters Limited. Lou Doniger and Thad Thomas from Chicago. A pretty imposing group of expert investigators. Well, Johnny, you look okay. Yeah, still on one piece. Hiya, Thad, Lou. Fine. Fine. You want to get the door, Toby? Yeah,
1: sure.
2: Now, oh, sit down there. Sir. Now, this isn't any vacation trip, boys. We're all going to have to roll up our sleeves. All right, Johnny, you want to break it down? Yeah, all right. Well, this is a big one, fellas. If you'll all sit, I'll bring you up to
1: date.
2: Yeah, sure. Now, sit right there. <laughs> Three days ago, I came here on a tip that building irregularities were suspected in the new school building. The man who tipped the insurance company was the janitor, name of Julian Osborne. I never talked to Osborne because he died in the fire that destroyed that building. I did talk to the man who designed the building. His name is David Baines. He claims none of his specifications were followed in the construction. So that's why it caught fire and went down so fast. His statement right here. Now I talked to the school principal, Flory Hawkins. She supports Baines' statement. I wanted most of all to get a statement from the building inspector who passed the building, Richard Hobb. Hobb was murdered last night. Ah, No wonder you need help. All right, now, the sheriff, the fire chief, and the building contractor are all in on it. And there are too many leads for one man to follow, too many people for one man to talk to. The sheriff is making an investigation of Hobb's murder, but we'd better make our own. Now, you, Toby, and you, Thad, Hobb's your job. Find out everything about him, his bank account, his friends, his troubles, everything especially who killed him. His widow's Lucille Hobb. I met her last night.
1: Leave it to him to find the woman.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now. Rob? Yeah? Your man is the building contractor, Roy Vickery. He's big and tough and shrewd, and he talks softly. He owns and runs the whole show, if I'm guessing right. Now, take Toby and run Vickery down. Bank accounts, purchase orders, what kind of money he spends, and so on. Jim and Al Minx? All right, you two find out everything you can about Julian Osborne, the janitor who was burned to death. I want Lou Doniger to stick close to Fire Chief Hanley. Same thing, everything and anything you can get on him. Al, you can handle Sheriff Doherty. The rest of you spread out. Start talking with anybody in town who might know anything. When you find one who's sick and tired of watching their town being run by a pack of hooligans, send them up here to the room. We'll try to get statements from them making specific charges, Al. Yeah. I want to guarantee every one of them security. So, take them down to Denver. Give them protection until it's safe to walk the streets here. If that's necessary, I'll arrange it. If it's necessary. All
4: right. All, right.
2: All right, now report back to me anytime you want. Don't push anybody around. Don't let anybody push you around. Okay, let's get to work. Eight strange men moving through Clinton, Colorado, asking questions were as conspicuous as I wanted them to be. I knew everybody in the little town would be hearing about them and watching And sooner or later, I hoped that would pay off. An hour went by before I got any action. Johnny Dollar.
1: You the fellow with the insurance company? Yeah,
2: that's right. Who's this?
1: Never mind. You're taking a lot of chances around here.
2: We're gonna take lots more. Do you have anything to say?
5: Yeah. My name's
1: Earl Kennedy. I'd like to talk to you.
2: Name the place.
1: You get down and stand in front of
4: your hotel. I'll drive by and pick you up. (laughs)
2: I went down and stood in front of the Northern Hotel. Five minutes passed. Ten minutes. And then a car drove up two men in the front seat, three in the back. One of them leaned out. Dollar? Yeah.
1: Come on, get in. I'm Merle Kennedy, construction foreman on the school. Hi. I thought you were going to be alone. man next to you is Frank Gibson. I'm the city editor of the Clinton Times. Those three boys in the back are Chuck Borden, Pete Geiger, and John Newton. They all worked for me on the construction.
2: Hi. Hi.
1: We seen the guys you brought into town. Really? Some pretty heavy boys. You know, the town's a little edgy with all that's happened. The fire... The janitor getting burned. Murder of Dick Hobb.
2: None of which were caused by any of my investigators.
1: How long are they going to be in town?
2: As long as they have to be. We're going to get to the bottom of all this. How many did you bring in? Eight. I'll bring in 80 if I have to. Aren't you talking kind of big? This is a big job. Yeah. This far
1: enough? Ten in here.
4: Now What? Just want to talk to you. Well?
1: We're all willing to make statements, Dollar. I can charge Vickery with shortchanging the city on materials. These guys in the back seat will tell you the same thing. They came to me to
4: ask my advice. I told them to talk to you, see what kind of man you were. I'll print anything that's the truth. Well, that'd help a lot, Mr. Ripson. The paper's at your disposal, provided it's the
2: truth. Fair enough. All of you be willing to testify? I am. Okay, now, a couple of other things. First, about Richard Hobb. You tell him, Frank. Hobb had big ideas, and he played ball with Vickery and the rest of them. It also looks like he was murdered because he was going to try to make it right. Now, about Roy Vickery. He was born here
4: in Clinton, brought up here. He's built about one-third of the structures in this town, every one of them standing today, every one except the school. Any angle on that? Your
2: insurance, $200,000. Okay. Where can I get a copy of the actual purchase orders used in the building?
1: From Vickery, but I don't think he'd let you have them, if he still got
2: them. Well, he gave me specifications that look like forgeries. I want the real thing. I'll have to have the real thing.
1: Well, let me look around. Now, when and where do we make the statements? Let's
2: go over to my hotel room and do it right now. Better use the newspaper office. You're probably being watched by now, Mr. Dollar. <laughs> Expense account item 14, $10, legal fees. Two hours later, I hired a notary to attest the sworn statements of Earl Kennedy, Frank Gibson, Charles Borden, Peter Geiger, and John Newton. They were damaging statements that would bear considerable weight in a courtroom, but they were not enough to bring the matter before a court. Al Davies was waiting for me when I got back to my hotel room. Hi. Hi. Come here. Hmm, what is it? We've got friends. Yeah. One, two, three, four, seven. Mm Mm-hmm. They've been gathering around the hotel now for the last hour or two. Any of the boys run into trouble yet? No, none they couldn't handle. This could be ticklish, though, Johnny. Huh? Well, if those down there uh, provoked an open showdown. Yeah, that might be the idea. We aren't ready for anything like that yet. We're getting there. Come in. Well, hello, Sheriff. This is Mr. Davies, our chief inspector. Davies! Are you the man who brought
1: these troublemakers into town? I brought eight assistants with me, Sheriff. They're troublemakers. They've been going around asking questions, upsetting folks, getting in the way. I'd hate to see any of them get hurt. Like with those out there on the street? Those men out there are a group of indignant citizens who came to see me in a body and protested this investigation and the way it's being handled. They look more like hired bully boys, Sheriff. I'm asking you and Mr. Davies to withdraw these men you have working in Clinton. I'm asking you to do that by sundown. Suppose we don't, Sheriff. Then you'll take the consequences. Now, wait a minute. What?
2: I don't want to keep you in a state of suspense, Sheriff. We're willing to take the consequences. What? If that crew out there shoot as well as they look, they're pretty rough people to go up against. Let me tell you, every man in this investigation is armed. We won't be intimidated, shoved around, or bullied by you, those bums out there, or anyone in this town. Now, you tell that to Mr. Vickery and Chief Hanley. And then you go home and stand in front of a mirror, Sheriff, and tell it to yourself. You gave us till sundown to get out. I'm giving you until sundown to resign as Sheriff. Now, if you don't do that, I'll see that you're forced out of office. Now, what do you think of that? You must feel mighty strong to talk like that. see this, and this, 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 and this. These are all sworn statements from people in this town who aren't afraid of you and Vickery and the others... You'd be surprised how many other people around here are on the verge of making statements, on the verge of not being scared of you anymore. So where are we, Sheriff? I'm gonna kill you. Not now, you aren't. Come on, get out of here.
4: I'll kill you, Dollar. Dollar.
1: Here's our star to tell you
2: about the final exciting episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, the end and the beginning of Clinton, Colorado. It all happens when the smoke clears. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Hollywood, it's
1: time now for... Johnny Dollar.
2: Toby
5: O'Brien, Johnny. Heard you had a run-in with Sheriff Doherty. They say you gave him a little sundown to resign his office. Yeah, I don't think he will, though. He'll have to do something close to it. I got some information on Richard Hobb, the building inspector who was murdered. Yeah? Hobb deposited $20,000 in the bank last year. What's that? Now, wait. Hobb's salary as city building inspector was $7,500 per annum. The $20,000 went in in four $5,000 deposits.
2: Holy. And
5: now, now, wait, there's more. Those deposit dates coincide with OKs Hobb made on the school building. He was paid off after each inspection. Johnny, we got
2: it on paper. We got some other things on paper, too, Toby. Hold on. Keep digging.
1: Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours
2: truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. Location, Clinton, Colorado. To United Adjustment Bureau, 418 West 61st Street, New York City. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Clinton matter. Expense account item 15, $45. For photostatic copies of deposit slips in the account of Richard Hobb, building inspector, lately murdered. Furnished by one of my operatives, Toby O'Brien.
5: Here you are. Okay. I got a feeling this whole town's coming apart at the seams, Johnny. The sheriff threatened you openly. Everybody who's anybody around here is trying to cover up the school burning down and
2: the way it was built. I think I can hurry up the process. Now, you be careful. These people seem to play for keeps. They've got to realize we do, too. These photo stamps are the first real bit of presentable evidence that the building was constructed under fraudulent circumstances. Hey, take it easy. Now, you keep the originals, mail them out to the office. The post office is still pretty honest. Yeah, Also, let it out that we have the information, wherever you go. I want them to get worried and steamed up and start acting dumber than they already have been. Okay, might scare Doherty and Hanley a little bit. That Vickery seems like a different proposition. I don't think he scares. I drove my rented car over to the home of his grieving widow. She answered the door with tears in both eyes and bourbon over the rocks in one hand. She wore a black dress, black and satin and tight, low-cut. Not exactly Emily Post for mourning, but as I say, it was black. A black lace handkerchief waved in the air.
0: Oh, Mr. Dollar, I'm glad you came by. I'm so unhappy and lost.
2: Yeah, I can see that. May I come in?
0: Why not? The sheriff hasn't done anything about, about Richard's murder.
2: I wouldn't rely too heavily on Sheriff Doherty, Mrs. Hobb. I don't think he will do anything. No. Well, don't look so surprised in your hour of bereavement, Mrs. Hobb. You know he won't do anything.
0: I don't know anything of the kind. Why
2: don't you sit down and let's talk? I want you to help me. Well, I'm,
0: I'm not sure I can help you. I'm, I'm so broken up.
2: Oh, now, if you're not careful, you might drown in those tears.
0: What are you trying to...
2: Relax, Mrs. Hobb.
0: All right. So I can't really cry about Richard. I never have. But I thought it was expected of
2: me. Some people might expect it. I don't. Now, look... This setup creaks from top to bottom. Your late husband made $7,500 a year... and deposited $20,000 in six months here. Figure?
0: I don't know anything about his money. All I know is the bank told me he had only $300 left.
2: What did he do with it?
0: What do you think? He spent it on other women.
2: Then why the tragic act?
0: I'm not very good at it, am I?
2: Not the best.
0: And it's funny, Johnny, because I really mean it. Oh, I know how foolish I look in these clothes... I wanted to cry because, well, I really loved him once, and he loved me, but we kicked it away because we both wanted more excitement than this town or his salary could give us. He was always out spending his money on other women, being a big shot.
2: What about the money? He got it for falsifying the inspection papers, didn't he? Yes. Who gave it to him, Mrs. Hobb?
0: I don't know. Probably Roy Vickery. Who do you think killed him? I don't know that either. What do you know? Johnny, he didn't leave insurance. And I have to live the best way I can. If I stay in this town, I have to keep friends. If I don't want to keep them, I have no choice but to move. And that takes money. Hmm. I wonder
2: what could possibly be going on in your mind.
0: Your company handles insurance, doesn't it?
2: 263 different kinds.
0: Are you particular what kind of premiums you collect?
2: Well, we pay off on a lot of things. Just what kind of insurance were you
0: thinking about? $2,000 endowment. Got your pen?
2: No, but my word's good at the cashier's cage. What do you got?
0: I'm trusting you. Richard got that $20,000 from the Clinton Gravel Company for services rendered. Know who owns the Clinton Gravel Company? Roy Vickery. That's close enough. Last night after you were here, Richard came back. I told him what you'd said to me. He said Vickery and the others were going to make a patsy out of him so he left to see you.
2: And got shot up. Hey, wait, wait a minute. Vickery was outside your house when I left. He might have done it himself.
0: That's all I can tell you. Now, uh, do I get my insurance?
2: If what you say is true, Mrs. Hobb, I'll have to check first.
0: You'll find out. Say, where do you come from, anyhow?
2: Hartford, Connecticut.
0: Connecticut. Say, I got an idea. What's the housing situation in Hartford?
2: Rough. For you, Mrs. Hobb. Very rough. I finally tore myself away from the grieving widow and headed back for the hotel. On my way down the main street of Clinton, someone with a wrinkled coat and bourbon on his breath stepped out and stopped me. David Baines, the architect. Dollar. Well, hi.
1: I told you I was going to stick around and do something brave. Oh? I finally got up courage enough to do something decent. Decent for me, anyway anybody else, it'd be too low to talk about. Oh, well, I wasn't. Well, I'm not much of a lawyer, but they say there's a statute in the books that says a private citizen may commit a crime to prevent a greater crime from being committed and still go free. Is that right? I wouldn't know. Well, I committed a crime. Two crimes. Dishonor to my noble character, disappointing the trust of a young woman. That was the first one. Then, uh, then engineering a theft. I'm a fagin. That's what I am. Under the guise of loving a young female secretary eternally, I have, well, here. The purchase orders from Roy Vickery's office. The actual purchase orders for the school. What? She stole them for me. For you, with my best regard.
2: I looked at them. They were as advertised. Purchase orders complete down to the last ten-penny nail. Expense account item 16, 48 cents, postage. Postage. Not being a technical expert, I sent them down to Denver for perusal by the original brokers. Fourteen hours later, the verdict came back in a long telegram. The materials used in the school construction were not passable. The insurance company would never honor the claim of the city of Clinton. This text I turned over to Frank Ibsen, publisher of the Clinton Times. He promised it would be in the late afternoon edition. There were other developments.
5: Toby O'Brien again? Yeah, Toby. We located two witnesses to the Hobbs shooting. Vickery put Hob out of the way himself. Get
2: their statements and get them on a train to Denver right away. Right. Then you better gather up the rest of the boys and come over here. Right. Expense account item 17, 10 cents, one newspaper. The afternoon edition of the Times, which carried a complete story of the insurance investigation up to date. Naming Vickery as the perpetrator of the school fire and involving Sheriff Doherty and Chief Hanley. I phoned Frank Ibsen and explained his next edition could carry the story of Hobbs' murder by Vickery. Ibsen said he'd make up an extra for that. I'd no sooner hung up the phone than I had visitors. Want to come with us, Deller? Not particularly. Who are you? Deputy Egan. Sheriff Doherty wants to talk to you. I've already said all I want to say to him. Get out. Guys, yeah. on. Take him out of here. There was strictly no contest. I walked out of the room with a deputy on each side of me and Egan behind me. We were in front of the hotel when I saw Toby O'Brien, Al Davis, and John Newton coming toward the entrance. I kicked out at the nearest man and yelled for help. A few of the local citizens joined in the fight, and Sheriff Doherty's three deputies got the worst of it. We took them all back up to my room.
5: Ah, sit down.
2: All right, Egan. You're, you're going to be arrested for this dollar. Where were you going to take me? Where? Where? Place on the edge of town. Clinton Gravel Works. Why? Doherty. Doherty said to bring you back. He, he. wanted to see you. Who's there with him? I. I don't know. The Clinton Gravel Works was a large building and tall shaft set on the edge of a frozen lake. Parked near the entrance was a long black limousine, such as a well to do contractor might drive, a white supercharged sedan, such as a fancy Western sheriff might use, and a red sedan, unmistakably belonging to the fire chief. We covered all the exits, and Toby O'Brien and I went in the front way. We were halfway up the steps when things began to happen. You all right? Yeah, come on. Wow.
4: Hello, Dollar. All right, lie (laughs) still, Vickery. I stayed still for you, too
2: should have put you out of the way. The same as you put Hob out of the way.
4: Better.
5: <coughs> uh, this one's gone. Who is he?
4: Fire Chief Hanley. Vickery, where's Doherty? He's out shooting his gun some more, Dollar. I hope he gets you, too. I hope.
5: He's back stairs, Johnny. Yeah. Stay away from me, Dollar.
2: The place is surrounded. Throw down the gun and walk
5: out with your hands behind your head.
2: Toby, I'll
5: get on the front way. Get the guys to step around through the shaft.
2: Right. You coming out? Doherty, you coming out?
6: No! Doherty.
2: You ought to go over a place good before you think you got a man trapped, Dollar. You're trapped, Sheriff. The men are waiting for you. I'm up here with you and you're the one I want. I told you I'd kill you. I've still got my gun in my hand. Vickery had his gun and so did Hanley. Look at them. Yeah, you did pretty well. Made it look like they
1: shot each other. And now it's your turn, Dollar. No! Get back! Uh.
2: Okay, Johnny? Yeah, just a nick. Hey, get a doctor, will you? Yes, sure. Well, Sheriff? Uh, I
4: guess... (laughs) I guess I... I kind of forgot something. Yeah, what's that? The part
1: about. about the falling out
4: among thieves,
2: Dollar. That was Sheriff Doherty's last statement. He died on his way to the hospital. Roy Vickery recovered and was arraigned on charges of murder, conspiracy, 28 counts all told. Chief Hanley was dead. Expense account item 18 $62, board and room. Item 19, $58, miscellaneous. Item 20, $164, transportation back to Hartford. Total expense account, $2,385.03. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: Now, here's our star to tell you about next week's exciting story. Next
2: week? The Jolly Roger fraud matter. And, uh, yeah, that means piracy. Of a kind that would have made Captain Kidd look like a bungling amateur. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: truly Johnny Dollar starring Bob Bailey is transcribed in Hollywood written by John Dawson it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone heard in this week's cast were Jeanette Nolan Lucille Meredith Carlton Young Herb Ellis Jack Petruzzi Bob Bruce Herb Butterfield Paul Richards Edgar Barrier Russell Thorson Jack Moyles and Frank Gerstel. musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us on Monday night, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking.